The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading comes to us from Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we thank you for your word. D.H. Lawrence argues that human knowledge falls into two categories. The first category is the things humans tell themselves. And the second category is the things we find out. And the older we get, the more we shift from what we find out to what we tell ourselves, right? So, for example, as a baby and a toddler, we're in discovery mode, finding out things about the world, right? We find out that when I cry, my mama comes with food. We find out that when I smile, daddy smiles back at me. We find out when I fall, there's this feeling of hurt, so I cry, and we find out there's mama and dad with the arms and the, shh, 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 you're going to be okay. Discovery mode, the things we find out, the knowledge we gain. And it leads us to begin to tell ourselves things, cause and effect. If this, then that. We start telling ourselves things. If I cry, then this. For, for some babies, that's their world of discovery. For other babies, unfortunately, like my adopted nephew, he cried and no one came. He smiled, but no one was there to smile back at him. He heard a loud noise and no one came to comfort him. What does he tell himself about the discoveries he's made? Complicate all of this, what we find out and what we tell ourselves with the truth that all of us human beings in our broken state of sin are liars. We tell lies to ourselves. Scripture says we suppress the truth and we deceive ourselves. I'm not that bad. Or I don't need help. And the more we repeat these lies in our heads, the more we're likely to believe the lies are true. When that neglected baby is in discovery mode, as he cries and no one comes, how does he begin to lie to himself? Well, my mom doesn't come to help me day after day after day, so I'm going to start believing that no one ever is ever going to come to my help. Even the child who was raised in a stable, nurturing home also can begin to convince herself of lies. Maybe she's in the third grade and she falls down on the playground and begins to cry 
And instead of expecting a comforting response, what does she get? You big cry baby, cry baby. Do you need your mama to come and kiss your boo-boo? What does she start telling herself? What we tell ourselves starts to change. When I fall, suck it up. Pretend you're fine. Figure it out yourself. We feed ourselves the lie of self-sufficiency. And the lie of self-sufficiency starts to repeat in our head. No one's going to help you. Even God helps those who help themselves. And we start to live in the lies. So what happens when we get caught maybe lying or cheating or stealing or we see our sin? What do we start telling ourselves in the lie? We either think, you know what? I've done wrong, but I can work it off by being a better boy or girl to make up for what I just did. Or we blame and pin it on someone else. You know what? It's their fault that I'm this way. And the more we do this, the more we become convinced that we're right and everyone else is wrong. We become islands of independence. We become proud of being our own provider. We even parent our kids toward self-sufficiency where they don't need anyone to help them. They can do it all themselves. Or we hand them a phone or an iPad and tell them everything you need to know about the world, it's found at your fingertips. And how much work or burden does that put on each of us when we're our own provider? How much of this pandemic of depression and anxiety today is a result of people trying to do life all by themselves. Work it all out for themselves. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Provide for yourself. No one else will. I tell you what, independence and self-sufficiency is a ton of work. It is an unbearable burden. And it is a complete and utter lie. And it's why Psalm 23 is hands down the most popular passage found in all of Scripture. It's a passage we recite when we're so overwhelmed that nothing else comes to mind. It's a passage often used as a truth serum on a liar's deathbed. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... These words relieve us of the awful work of having to be independent, self-sufficient providers. And these words recast us in the drama of redemption from being an executive or an elite to being a little sheep who bleats. <laughs> We're continuing our series through each part of our liturgy. And today and every week in our worship, we come to this part in our service part we call edification or supplication or feeding. We are the ones who bleat. And the Father responds each week with these words. Come and eat. Come and eat. What does he promise to do for his sheep? He wants us to trust this truth, friends. The good shepherd always provides for a sheep, always. Trust in the truth that the good shepherd always provides for his sheep. What does he promise to provide for his sheep? Verse 1 tells us, the good shepherd provides for any and every need. Any and every need. Read with me, verse 1. The Lord is the one who shepherds me. I will not be lacking anything. Anything. 
There's a note of healthy and good pride in this verse. David is taking the holiest of names, Yahweh, a name every devout Jew would not utter off their own lips out of respect for how holy God is. And he's saying this, this holy and awesome maker of everything and everyone who is, he's the one who takes care of me. Who could ask for anything more, David says? The Lord is my shepherd, the one who made the rain clouds and the rutabaga. He's in charge of my meal plan. The one who never has to go to sleep, he has eyes on me 24-7. The one who can be everywhere at one time will never leave me. The one who is great goodness as compared to other gods who are grumpy and greedy, he's the one who welcomes me. And the God who stays true to his word will keep me until the end. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He is the all-inclusive shepherd. Ever been to an all-inclusive Have you ever had that privilege to go to an all-inclusive resort where every need is provided for you? You pay a decent penny for that kind of care. But even in these places, friends, these all-inclusives, the food starts to taste the same by the end. The place starts to feel a little cramped by the end. The clock starts to tick knowing your reservation is only for five days and six nights. But this all-inclusive shepherd is filled with endless variety of food, limitless space, and an eternal clock. And mysteries of all mysteries, friends, this all-inclusive shepherd foots the bill. He pays the cost to offering liars like us a life like this. What can we do, though, with David's words, verse 1? How do we twist them into a lie? We say to ourselves, the good shepherd, he provides for some needs, like forgiveness and maybe resurrection or heaven, but other needs, you know what, I'm still in charge of taking care of. Things like finances, future, food, family. God, I'll take that off your plate, sovereign God of the universe. I got this. Or we believe in substitute gods of control, substitute shepherds. Control or comfort or people's approval of us will not leave us in want. We say things like, Jesus, I'll take the wheel. (laughs) Big house or lake home, you give me a slice of heaven. Facebook friend and jury, what do I need to post so that you can tell me I'm something special? The psalmist says, none of those will make for adequate shepherds. Trust in the truth that the Lord is the only one to provide for any and every need. What are those specific needs then David starts to unpack? Let's look further into these verses. Verses 2 to 4 shows us. The good shepherd feeds us, leads us, and never leaves us. I'll read through some of these word pictures that David gives us. In green pastures, he causes me to lie down. What could be better for a sheep than lush green fields in which to eat? And not just one pasture, pastures, plural. There's no end to the places the shepherd has for his sheep to graze. The sheep begin their day eating. And here we see the shepherd feeding them till their heart's content, till they can lay down on that grass so satisfied. David also says, toward resting waters he leads me. 
Around the warmest time of the day, a shepherd would lead the sheep around noon to a place of rest. And where there are resting waters, there's usually shade of trees. What does this do for a sheep when they can just lay down underneath the shade of a tree on green grass? It restores them. My inner being, he restores. And when it's time to move again to another pasture, the shepherd leads the sheep in these well-worn paths, these paths of righteousness, these right paths. What they are are these grooves of paths that have been worn down by many people following them, that this is the right way to go, which not only keeps the sheep from falling off the cliffs, but also demonstrates to the rest of the world for God's name's sake, that this shepherd is one to be trusted. He keeps us on safe paths. This shepherd is one who takes care of his own. And after feeding and leading his sheep on these paths, we even hear this, when I walk in valleys of dark shadows, I will not fear evil. Why? Because you're with me. He never leaves his sheep, even when they come upon scary and threatening places where there could be wolves or other predators. He has two things in his hand. He's got a rod that clubs the wolves. Boom. And he has a staff with this crook in it to put around the neck when you get too close to the edge of the cliff. No, 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 no. Come on back. Come on back. His rod and his staff bring comfort to the sheep. He's going to take care of me. It has taken me almost 50 years to begin to believe this truth about a good shepherd. And I've shared with you, some of you, this story. Uh, but during my sabbatical, I had the privilege of solo hiking a 100-mile stretch of the Appalachian Trail. And my goal was to spend a dedicated amount of time, about eight days, just with the Lord, praying, singing, enjoying His pastures. And I didn't know that the peak moments of this trip was times where the Lord was going to teach me trust, but not in a way that I expected. First, he taught me that he feeds us. When you're eating dehydrated meals for four or five days, it just starts to taste disgusting. And there's this thing I heard about called trail magic on the trail where people will randomly set up a station to feed hikers this luxurious food. And I'm like, I'm only going to be here eight days. I'm never going to see trail magic. And sure enough, on one of my roughest, fatiguing days where I'm pretty much out of good food and all that's in there is rice and beans and dried bananas, a minivan pulls up next to me and says, can I interest you in some food? She pops open the back hatch, and before me was this green pasture of Snickers and Reese's peanut butter cups and ice-cold lemonade and ice-cold beer. And I said, I'll just take one. She's like, take as much as you want. He feeds. And then he led. As the path wasn't always so obvious, I could look up. And there were these painted white rectangles on the trees leading me in the right direction when I'm looking down and I'm like, I can't tell which way is up. After many an uphill climb, he led me to the tops of these mountains with these most incredible views and provided for me this cool shade tree to just rest and refuel and take off the pack for a while. He leads but probably the most important part of this trip was when he promised to never leave. 
the peak of my time on the trail came during, of all times, a tornado warning that I didn't listen to. The skies became the darkest I've ever seen. The rain was the hardest, like bullets on my back. And the wind was the strongest I've heard as the wind and the trees were just whistling and bowing to him. And there I stood atop Mary's rock, scared out of my mind. No, I was standing there, shivering cold and smiling and was at complete peace. Why? You don't leave your sheep. You're never going to leave me alone. You're with me right now. Even if I get struck by lightning that's zapping all around me, even I get blown away by the tornado's winds, no, you're not going to leave me. You're with me. You're around me. You're above me. You're below me. And you are for me. You will never leave your sheep. It sometimes takes a trip of being deprived of good food or being dependent upon trail markers and not a GPS or being subjected to the dangerous elements of the world to be reminded that your good shepherd, he's faithful to feed you, to lead you, to never leave you. Where might you be believing the lie that says you're in charge of the next 100 meals or that it's up to you to set the course of your life? Or when scary times will come, which they inevitably will, that you're on your own and you just need to get yourself through this. Where is he taking things like control or comfort or approval away so that you might know the good shepherd opens the hatch filled with the riches of bread. He opens his hands to the right path on how to live. And he opens his mouth with words of assurance when it gets rough and scary. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The good shepherd feeds us, leads us, and never leads us. And then finally, verses 5 and 6 shows us that the good shepherd welcomes us here and chases us home. There's a shift, if you notice in these verses, from shepherd to host as that table before me is prepared. Like the curtain goes down on the pastures, our present life, and rises on act two, our life to come. From a scene of pasture to a scene of a king's palace. From a good shepherd to a host, a gracious host. And we go from being a sheep to being a welcomed guest. Verse five, you prepare before me a table opposite my enemies. We see in front of us a charcuterie table of good food. And on the other side are enemies, those who have lived in the lie of independence, prisoners of their own pride, now wanting just a drop of that juice for their cracked and dry, hell-dwelling tongues. You anoint my head with oil. This is the practice of a host in a desert climate. What happens in a desert climate? Your skin gets cracked and dries easily. And that oil was like the host giving you Neutrogena when you walked in. Oh, it's soothed and it's smoothed all of the rough places. And then my cup overflows. The host hands you a chalice. A chalice filled with rich drink. 
and then offers you seconds and thirds and fourths. This is a picture of what's to come for his sheep, a welcome home, one we can taste right here at the table of the word and at the table of the sacrament. This bread, his body, our feast, as our cracked and dried hearts are soothed by the oil of his word, which says, I have prepared a place for you. And as the cup overflows with the mercy of his blood over and over, 70 times 7 says, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And then, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Better translations, probably surely goodness and mercy shall dog after me all the days of my life. Because behind us, pursuing us, every day of our lives through the gospel are the sheepdogs of God's goodness and steadfast love, like nipping at our heels and barking at us. The gospel, I love you, I'm never going to leave you, I love you, I'm never going to leave you, nipping at our heels so that we run closer and closer to home. The house of the Lord to the presence of the Lord where we will dwell forever. This is all made possible through the work of Jesus, our good shepherd, who feeds us with himself, his perfect body, his forgiving blood. Right, Stella? Who gives us rest from having to work off our sin to God by doing the work for us on the cross, who restores us back to life and giving us a resurrection who gives us his spirit and his word and his sacrament to guide us in how we're supposed to live now, and who even shares in our suffering and walks with us through the dark places that we're in, protecting us from enemies like the world, enemies like our own flesh, death itself. The good shepherd Jesus meets every need by feeding, leading, and never leaving you by welcoming us here and chasing us home. Would you reject the lie of self-sufficiency and trust in this truth? Jesus is the good shepherd who always provides for his sheep. I'll close with one story of the good shepherd's unexpected and loving provision to one needy sheep. Her name's Johnny. And the Lord made her lie down in green pastures, but not in a way that you would expect. Johnny's story is a little different in learning that the good shepherd provides every need. At the age of 17, Johnny was paralyzed from the neck down after a diving accident. And for her, in her, I think she's in her 60s maybe, or late 50s, debilitating chronic pain keeps her up at night. It deepens her need for her good shepherd to draw near. This is what she says as she wakes up at 4 a.m. in wretched pain. She says this, Suffering will teach you who you are. It's a textbook to show you the stuff in which you are made. It will squeeze it out of you. I say I need Christ. We say we need Christ. But the next time we suffer and suffer hard, find out what comes out of your mouth, and that will show you how much you know Jesus. She says, in that sense, suffering is good in a strange way. Johnny made a prayer before her accident. It was this, Jesus, do whatever you need to do in my life to keep me needing you. And days later, her neck was broken, and she was paralyzed from the neck down. She thought, 
God, you can never be trusted with a prayer again. But she said in faith, where else am I going to go? Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else am I going to go? Help me understand. Help me get how I'm supposed to live like this. She says, suffering's purpose is to press us up against the good shepherd and hear his heartbeat and understand his sufferings. She says, I realize my paralysis is not about me, but about his namesake, about knowing him better. She said, I've got to constantly tell my heart every depressed morning, go find Jesus. He's the only one who will satisfy you right now. When I wake up at 4 a.m. in pain, she said, I used to get anxious about it, but now I speak back to my pain and say, I'm going to find Jesus in you, pain. And I start singing to him, she says. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of who you are. I'm finding out the greatness of your loving, your wounded, your suffering, your painful heart. God bless the pain, she says. It's a harsh and severe mercy, but what a sweet one. Because it's helped me to love him and need him. She says this about her good shepherd and his plan for her. I would much rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus like this than to be on my feet without him. Trust in this truth. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your kindness to us, your goodness to us. You're using time in your word like a sheepdog to dog after us and remind us of your goodness and your commitment to us. We pray, Father, that we would live these words of Psalm 23, knowing that every need, any need, you promise to provide for, that you will feed us, that you will keep us, that you will lead us. And Father, thank you for the opportunity to be welcomed home by giving us a taste of a meal that's coming. We pray, Father, that we would lean like Johnny does upon the heart of Jesus at any and every time, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing you're already there with us. Lead us home, King Jesus and Good Shepherd. We pray in your name. Amen.